I'm Cassie Hilbron, and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. Today's episode is all about how to set yourself up for success in the kitchen. I chat with Tara from the popular food blog, Tara Teaspoon. Tara has created thousands of original recipes that inspire people to spend more time in the kitchen and enjoy food with their family and friends. She makes delicious things in food styles for magazines, books, television, and food brands. Before creating her blog, TaraTeaspoon.com, she was the food director of Ladies Home Journal magazine and the food editor at Martha Stewart Living Kids and Weddings magazines. Tara's been busy. Her first cookbook will be published in fall of 2020, and you'd better believe it will include a variation of her favorite food, chocolate chip cookies. Love it. Tara believes that you can live your life deliciously. She loves sharing approachable recipes for weeknights and inspirational creations for those slower weekends. Tara shares some great advice on how to set ourselves up in the kitchen to be successful with every meal, including tools that are great to have and how to prep for dinner parties. I know you're going to love this episode. This week's recipe of the week is my air fryer corn on the cob. It's been a while since I chatted about an air fryer recipe, but seriously, an air fryer is one of my most recommended appliances. I absolutely love making corn in it by wrapping the corn in foil with a dab of butter. The kernels become deliciously soft and buttery, just like corn from a fair. Grab the link for this recipe, along with all the links we discuss in today's episode at cookitrealgood.com slash 28. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Now, first up, can I get you to share your last cooking fail with us? Oh, yes. My goodness. (laughs) Cooking fails happen all the time for me. So let's see the last one. I was developing a short ribs recipe and I think it was a combination of forgetting about it, not adding enough liquid the wrong size pan, but those little friends got a little charred and there was no juice left to make a gravy. They were just sitting there in a dry little dark pan all by themselves. So I had to restart and totally develop it differently. Oh no. Yeah, that was my fail. Anyway, it was still delicious. I still eat my mistakes most of the time. (laughs) Definitely. And you can like sort of, I mean, with that kind of situation, you could probably make up a separate sauce and like put them in it to try and (laughs) give them something else. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I, like I said, I've got kitchen fails every time I step into the kitchen, they're small, but you know, it happens. Definitely. And I think that's the thing for all of us. Like when you're experimenting and trying new things, It's very unlikely, even no matter how skilled you are, that everything's always going to be perfect. So it's okay to fail. It's okay to have these mistakes. Exactly. And you know, that's, that's most of my job is creating recipes and developing things. And so I like a fail. That means I can just make it better and I know what to do next time. Love that attitude. (laughs) 
Now, today we're going to be talking about how to set yourself up for success in the kitchen. And I'm loving this topic. I think it's going to really help my listeners. And it's kind of like some things that we'll talk about. I'm, I'm sure they'll, they might seem simple, but there might not be things that you really think about, about how we can really, really, truly get ready to, to obviously have successful meals, but also, you know, learn new skills along the way. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. Oh, good. I agree for sure. Now, can you share with me to start off your cooking philosophy? I found this very interesting. Well, you know, I would say my philosophy is to enjoy your time in the kitchen. And my motto is live life deliciously. So, you know, I say enjoy your time in the kitchen, but I don't mean doing dishes. No one likes to do that. (laughs) I mean, finding enjoyable things, create a space for gathering, bring your family and friends in, enjoy that time in the kitchen, even though I know, listen, cooking is a daily chore for most of us. Um, And whether you're feeding a family or not, there are budgets and planning and shopping and prepping and unique diets to consider all while managing the rest of your life. So I get it, but I say, if you can have a philosophy, I want mine to be enjoy your time in the kitchen. I really like that. I I find your food actually tastes different. I know that might sound silly, but like you could go through the exact same thing. But if you aren't enjoying it or I mean, as lame as it kind of sounds to put some love into it, it just doesn't, mm-hmm. it just doesn't taste as good. So, um, yeah, obviously not every day in the kitchen, you have to be like dancing around the kitchen, having a great time. But if you can find the joy in the little things, it will help go a long way. Right, right. And I think one of the first things I like to say when I tell people how to be successful in the kitchen is you cut out the complicated. You know, if something's bringing you down, if you're not enjoying your time in the kitchen, figure out what's complicating it. And so that's, I hope, what we get to talk about today. Absolutely. All right. So if we're talking in terms of like setting ourselves up for success, what are some things that you recommend? Well, you know, it, I've got a list and, and I would say the first thing is having the right tools. We all have a kitchen, whatever the setup, you know, I live in a small New York apartment. I don't have a gourmet stove. I have a regular size fridge that often freezes things if it's too full, you know? So we all have varied kitchens, but I say outside of your space and your appliances, let's talk about the right tools. Um, and the right tools for me is I have 13 spatulas at, you know, give or take. You find the tools that you use the most, get a couple of extras so that you don't have to wash it between every use. Um, but you know, those, the right tools are going to be different for every person. But my basic list I would say is start with sharp knives, know how to take care of them and keep them sharp because that is going to make cooking so much more fun. Um, get some good cutting boards so that, you know, your knives are happy cutting things and they don't get dull. Um, get a repertoire of simple gadgets you know, everybody loves tools and gadgets. Um, you don't want too many, right? Or you feel like you have to use them every time you cook. Just get some simple ones and make sure you've got a hand or a stand mixer. Try to get a blender or a food processor. I prefer, 
you know, food processor for like everyday cooking. Blenders are great for soups and smoothies and sauces. Um, and then a quality set of pans is great. It doesn't have to be big or expensive. Um, and then a set of mixing bowls, you know, have enough mixing bowls so that, like I said, with the tools, you don't have to be washing things all along the way. So that's my basic list. And sure, I could talk about all of those things for a half hour each, but that's sort of setting yourself up with the right tools. And I like that they're not really expensive stuff because I think sometimes people think like, I mean, if you're watching cooking shows and stuff, sometimes you think like you've got to have all these like fancy fandangle mm-hmm. things. But really it's going back to basics and going, what do we have and what do we actually need and what can you minimize and get away with? And especially uh, having a New York kitchen, I assume you had to think about this carefully as to what you can actually store in your kitchen. Yes, um, totally. And, you know, I find a lot of times people don't know quite what tools or gadgets to get. It depends on what you cook. So, you know, I've walked into somebody's house and they are stumped by the fact that they can't finish the recipe because they don't have a microplane grater to zest something. And it's like, well, it, you know, if you're cooking nowadays, you usually need zest or to finely mince garlic or something, get yourself a microplane grater. Like you said, it's going to be eight to $15, you know, for in America, I, I think, you know, order it on Amazon, just those are the steps you can take to set yourself up. And I think those are great. Keep a list, keep a post-it note of those simple things to, like I said, take out the complication. Definitely. And I love what you said about having 13 spatulas Um, (laughs) because like, I mean, I have three, but I, I remember I had one and it used to drive me nuts because if we hadn't done the washing or something, it was like, Oh, now I've got to wash this up. And tongs are another one like that for me as well. So I have to have multiples because I want to be able to grab them easily. And like, I have like a cutlery drawer, but I keep um, like a cutlery jar next to my stove with those kind of things because I want to be able to grab them quickly. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to keep like trying to like mess around a drawer to try and find them and stuff like that. So you just got to find what works for you. What tools do you need to be successful and keep them where it's going to be helpful for you? Oh my goodness. Yes, I totally agree. And that's the next thing I was going to talk about on my list. Exactly. Oh, good lead in. (laughs) Yes. Is setting up kitchen zones. So create zones in your kitchen so it's comfortable to cook and and more fun. You know, take a Saturday and organize the drawers. Like you said, get a canister or a crock for those frequently used tools. Set it by the stove or set it by the sink, wherever you're going to use those tools. Um, and, And create those areas to have a nice place for everything so you're not searching for it. I know my last apartment in New York City was the size of a small bathroom in most homes. So having a place for everything was not a totally feasible option for me. My salad spinner lived in a bin in my bedroom closet, but I wanted a salad spinner. So I had to find a place for it. And you know, that's what happens, but it had a place. And so I think that also sets you up for success is those kitchen zones and having a nice place to cook. Yeah. And even just knowing where things are, because like if you're in the middle of a recipe and you need to grab something like, let's say like a salad spinner or something, knowing exactly where it is, is going to help you get things done rather than scraping around like, yeah, drawers or cupboards, trying to find things that you've all smushed in there. 
Totally agreed. Well, and I mean, we all smush sometime, right? But <laughs> yeah, look, you don't want to see my cutlery drawer. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I have a cut- cutlery drawer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that takes us into the next place is where I usually tend to stuff is having pantry staples. Um, whether your pantry is one small cupboard in your kitchen or you have a walk-in pantry, I think especially coming up on holidays, you know you'll need flour. You know you'll need all the sugars, the brown sugar, the white sugar, the sprinkling sugar. You know you'll need vanilla and cocoa and spices. So set yourself up for success by having an extra bag of flour in the back of the pantry, etc. You know, having those staples, whether it's olive oil, you know, if you're cooking quick dinners, your pantry staples are going to be olive oil and canned beans and broth and pasta and a few jars of jams and sauces like soy sauce and fish sauce. Those things that you don't want to make a special trip to the store for that will last a while in your pantry. I think setting up your pantry, knowing what you use a lot and organizing it are great tips for keeping a successful kitchen going. Absolutely love that tip. There's nothing worse than, yeah, going to get something when you're trying to make a meal and it's gone or there's not enough of it. Of these pantry staples, like obviously there's some stuff that you need to think about when you do you do your weekly shop, but you're right. Things like the sauces, the jams, that's all stuff that I just want to have there. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, there's that recipe that calls for one tablespoon of tomato paste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, those those cans are tiny. Have a little can of tomato paste in the back of your pantry, always ready, so that that doesn't keep you from making something successful and delicious. I usually find that like whatever I have had run out and put me in that situation is the one thing that I never let that happen again. <laughs> yeah, true, true. We learn, right? Yeah, so that's <laughs> the cupboard's always like stocked with the stuff that you've you've been burnt before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that oh, you're the best lead-in partner ever. <laughs> I'm doing this that, on accident. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. But it really is. It's it's the next thing to talk about about having a successful time in the kitchen is reading ahead. So we all like to try new recipes or we have directions that come with a particular dish. If you don't do it already, you will be so pleasantly surprised at how successful you can be making new recipes if you just read through them several times. So familiarize yourself with the steps. One of my best tips is to tell people to visualize the steps before you start cooking. You know, reading it is one thing, but if you can visualize yourself doing it in your kitchen and bonus for pulling out any equipment or tools that you need before you start cooking. So that will just make it so much more fun to try new recipes and share them with your friends and family if you have done that little step of preparation. Yeah, I love that idea. And (laughs) I think we've all gotten like halfway through a recipe before and be like, wait, what? Like you said, like you might need a microplane or you might need like a certain tool that you don't even have at home. And then it becomes like a stressful thing because you got it halfway done. Um, so it is good to definitely take take your time, read it, get get ready, get the tools out, get your ingredients out, have it all on the bench. And then you, it's less stressful. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, we hear it all the time in the cooking world is the term mise en place. And that means to get everything in its place, to put everything in its place. And I think that's part of it. But taking it a step further, you can have all your ingredients, you can have all of your equipment. But if you can visualize yourself making those steps and, you know, boiling the water, taking it to the sink, draining the pasta, think about those actions um, you'll you'll have a better sense of how long it's going to take you um, and what the end result is going to be. So I, I just am a real proponent of that step. Absolutely. I love that. Definitely. Um, I think just some other little points of success that you can have um, is to keep it simple. You know, you will be more and more comfortable the more you cook and the more you entertain and the more you cook for people. Um, but start simple. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, and then I just wanted to talk about successful entertaining because being successful in the kitchen on a Wednesday is very different than, Hey, I'm going to throw a party. Um, And I don't throw a lot of parties. So how can I be successful? Um, I think a lot of the things that we've talked about come into play. Um, But a big thing is visualizing the party, thinking about the props, which in my world, we call them props. But in a home, you would call them dishes and you'd call them platters and bowls. Prop out your party, prop out your menu before you get started because you don't want to get in the middle of a recipe and think, Oh my gosh, I don't have a casserole dish that will fit this. Or what am I going to serve this giant roast Turkey on? You know, you don't want to have to run to the, the supermarket and get a platter or a dish or a pan while you're in the middle of trying to entertain. Um, and then manage your cleanup along the way. It's it's something our moms taught us, you know, clean up along the way, but it really matters in the kitchen and for sure when you're entertaining. Um, try to get that load of dishes in the dishwasher and start it before you start on the next recipe, etc. It just helps you enjoy the party. It helps the party become successful, all of that. Um is that, I, I don't know, you probably entertain a lot if you have anything to add to that. Those are just kind of my two cents with entertaining. I love that you brought up entertaining because I actually think it is an important one to cover off because you're right, in, on a Wednesday night, if you're making yourself a quick stir fry, that's a lot less stressful than than cooking for 10 people or so. Um, and I know like in the past, once I was having a Christmas lunch here and I didn't time out things properly and I had like the vegetables were taking forever, even though the meat was already done and that kind of stuff. So, so it is important to, to take the time to think about it. And you're right about what you're going to serve your food on. That's something as simple as that, because you might've been so focused on what you're cooking that you forgot about the rest of the things that you need. Do you have enough plates? Do you have enough serving platters? So that's a really good point to bring up. And also the managing the cleanup 
my husband worked at McDonald's when he was younger and um, they have like clean as you go, which is like what they say all the time. And I'm a very messy cook. If I sometimes I put pictures (laughs) on my Instagram stories of like after I've had a shoot day and my kitchen is a nightmare and he's always like, just clean as you go. And so it is, it does help so much. Like if you don't, it's very daunting at the end of a meal, especially if you are entertaining and there's a lot of dishes that you then have to clean that. And it's also a bit unsightly. So I like that you've mentioned about that managing how you're going to do that, do it in stages, in batches, like maybe while you're waiting for something on the stove, you could quickly pack the dishwasher and things like that. That's really helpful. Yes, definitely. I agree. And, and Hey, give yourself a break. Shoot days are totally different than entertaining and bringing people into your home. (laughs) You're, you know, chasing the light and all of that, but yeah, it's just something to think about. And so this is one of my favorite entertaining tips. So if you're listening, pull out a pencil, have a little, you know, pull your phone out and, and get on notes because the biggest question is always how much food do you make for your party? How much food do you make to serve a certain number of people? And so I always keep this little cheat sheet, you know, somewhere that I can reference it if I'm entertaining. Um, And so for main dishes, I like to make about one and a half servings for each guest. So that helps you sort of calculate it because you might have guests that eat two portions or half portion or whatever it is. Um, You'll have that mixed crowd. So with appetizers and snacks, think about six pieces for each guest. And if there's no main dish for the party, double that to 12 pieces each. You know, no matter what it is, they're usually smaller bites. Um, With desserts, they're similar to main dishes. If it's one dessert or cupcakes, I usually will do one and a half servings for each person. And then for cookies and little treats, you want to provide about three cookies per person. So that's my little cheat sheet. I love it. It totally sets you up for success with entertaining and your party kitchen. That's such a big help. You're right. I've, I've just written that down. Oh, good. <laughs> and I hope that everyone else has, because that is, sometimes it is just like trying to think about how much do you make or whatever. And that's a really good guide because at least then you've got something to go off. Whereas some, most of the time we're just doing it blind. Like, oh, let's like double this recipe and hope for the best. Yes, totally agree. Well, I hope it helps. Yes. That's such a good tip. Now let's talk about kitchen expectations. Yes. So success in the kitchen comes with your own expectations is what I think. (laughs) I, you know, you are only successful, um, based on your expectations, right? So if you want to create a new recipe or try a new recipe and you have certain expectations in your mind about that, then if you don't meet those, you feel unsuccessful. So I'm not saying set your expectations low, but I'm just saying be realistic. So one of my examples is I had a reader on my blog who was so sweet and we had many conversations back and forth and she was trying to get the perfect cake frosting. She wanted to learn how to decorate a cake and she and her husband had certain expectations for what that frosting should taste like and look like. And she didn't want a frosting that was too sweet. So I led her away from my, you know, confectioner sugar, very sweet frosting. And I said, 
why don't you try this Swiss meringue buttercream? It is less cloyingly sweet and it is a beautiful frosting for decorating. Well, she already had her expectations set because she said, well, I've tried a Swiss meringue and it just turned to foam. It didn't work. So I kind of had to bring her back and say, okay, what are your expectations? Perhaps you have to say, hey, that recipe didn't work because that's not what a Swiss meringue buttercream is supposed to even look like. Why don't you try a tested recipe and make sure you have all the information you need? And then also, you're looking for a frosting. It's going to be sweet. How not sweet do you expect it to be? (laughs) So that's my story for expectations is... If you're expecting this chicken curry to be the most delicious chicken curry, just like your favorite Indian restaurant, and it doesn't turn out that way, well, you know, maybe say, hey, I'm making a chicken curry at home. I only had three spices and not the 10 that they might have at a restaurant. Um, Be happy with where you are as a cook, what you create, and what resources you have etc. So I think that's part of being successful is just setting your expectations. Like I said, taking a lot of complications out and starting simple. Yes, I, I so agree with you there. I think uh, sometimes you put all of the um, yeah expectations is a good word for it on um, like one recipe. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, then it's like, oh, that I can't cook that or this is silly or something, but you could just have a bad recipe or you might not have done something right. And it doesn't mean that you have to completely forget to make that food ever again. Like if you burn toast, you're never not going to make toast again. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And, and I have to, you know, give it to this reader. She was willing to learn. She was willing to communicate. You know, if you find a recipe that maybe didn't work, Um, ask about it in a nice way. Or I think that's the beauty of online is you can um, ask the company or you can ask the blogger. Um, If it's in a book or a magazine, you know, you do have a certain level of expectations that that recipe has been tested and perfected. But just know that, you know, you might not have the exact same experience in the kitchen as the creator of that recipe. Yeah. And there's, there's other things at play, like, especially like baking recipes and things like that. You know, people have different ovens. Like I don't think I've ever had two ovens work exactly the same. The cooking time's always varied and things like that. So, um, you're right. Definitely. It can change. Uh, the other thing that I was going to mention about recipe following and expectations, <laughs> I'm just, mm-hmm. even though this might not be totally, well, actually it is. It's setting yourself up for success. If you get a recipe and you change all the ingredients, that's, you're no longer following the recipe. <laughs> so, yes. Um, but yes. most of the time I find when people are having troubles, um, it can be because you've started substituting a lot of different things. So, Of course, there are some easy substitutions that you can make. Like instead of having like a self-raising or a self-rising flour, you might use plain flour with baking powder. Usually you're going to have the same success with those. But, you know, there are some things that you go, when you start to change this, 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 and this, that no longer is the tried and true recipe. So it kind of is a blind testing from that point onwards. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. And you will have success if you don't veer too far off the writing, right? But that being said, I always encourage people to experiment and try new things, swap out this cheese for that cheese, change up this spice, you know, make it your own. But don't do, like you said, don't do too many changes at once if you're hoping to have a specific, you know, final product. And also, I like to encourage people to cook through the recipe as is once, be familiar with it, and then use their creativity. And they will find more success when they do that because they know what the end result is supposed to be and what their changes did to the recipe. And then they can play around with it all they want. Absolutely. Um, And you're right. You definitely can change up a recipe. Please don't take it as I'm saying that. But just when you start, when you, it's the first time you're making something, you've never made it before and you change like 10 ingredients. It's, mm-hmm. it's usually, that's a, that's a hint that it's going to be a disaster in my experience. And I've done it too. I'm very guilty of it. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, it, it, at that point I'm like, Hey, you're recipe developing just like I would, you know, you're taking something as an inspiration and making something totally different, um, which by the way is awesome. And if you feel confident in the kitchen, the more you feel confident in the kitchen, you know, having taken all of these steps to do so, you will be able to do that. You'll be able to create your own recipes and your own favorites because you're more of an intuitive cook. You are more comfortable, etc. Yeah. Getting to that phase is the ultimate goal, being able to wing yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Now, I guess overarching all of this is why should we bother to become successful in the kitchen? Yes, it's, it's true. Listen, whether you're feeding yourself or a family, um, you know, why does it matter? You can just do the same 10 recipes. Um, but my thought is cooking doesn't have to be a chore. Um, it can become second nature the more that you do it and therefore being a little bit more enjoyable. Um, so yes, do you want to set yourself up to be successful in the kitchen? I say yes, because then it get becomes more enjoyable and it is such a pleasure to eat good food, isn't it? Oh, so, Definitely. You know, why not enjoy preparing that food? One of my favorite things is sharing food with people. And when that means, you know, I've had a good time cooking it, it's just a bonus. So I I just think we do it every day, just about, right? We cook. So, so why not set ourselves up for the best experience we can have? That's such a good point. I, I think with what you've said there, about it being enjoyable. That's a really big thing, but also about like what you're cooking. So if you are cooking the same 10 things all the time, you're probably going to get sick of them quickly. (laughs) Whereas when you're trying new things, you variations of things that you've loved and, you know, new ideas, it's exciting. And, you know, food should be a pleasure. It should be pleasurable. And you're out, there is nothing quite like cooking a meal for the people that you love around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. We're on the same page. Definitely. Oh, thank you so much, Tara, for sharing all those tips. I, I think they've been really, really helpful. And I, 
I really like that you've given a lot of different steps that you can take at the start to set yourself up for success, but also, you know, bringing in that entertaining factor as well, because it's unlikely that you'll never have people over. So <laughs> we've got to make that exactly. easier too. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I hope there's some good takeaways and I hope everyone has happy cooking. Thank you. And would you share with my listeners where they can find you? Yes. Visit TaraTeaspoon.com. It's T-A-R-A-T-E-A-S-P-O-O-N. Um, it's my nickname. You can call me that, but visit me on that blog. Love it. Oh, thank you so much, Tara. Thank you. Wasn't Tara just fantastic? I absolutely loved her tips and I thought this topic would be great timing as we all try and set ourselves up for a successful 2020. For all the links we discussed in today's episode, head to cookitrealgood.com slash 28. That's it from me. Have a great week and don't just cook. Cook it real good. Bye.